Welcome to the Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paula. We're so excited as we discuss what it looks like to live the radical Christian life, following Jesus no matter the call, no matter the cost. Yeah, so let's get to it. Well, glad that you're back, and we are here to answer another question that has been posed to us. As Serving Beyond Borders is a nonprofit entity, we often get asked questions about where we stand on certain things, and sometimes they're really important things that we want to discuss, and sometimes they aren't, but we think this one actually is a pretty important one. It's close to our hearts for many reasons, and the question that came to us is, what's your stance on the pro-life debate? So, Doug, I'm going to let you jump in on this one first. Yeah, it's a great question, and we have a very short, clear answer. We believe in the sanctity of life. We're Christians, and if you're a Christian and you call yourself a Christian, you have to believe what Jesus believed, because that's what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Christ, and you have to believe in God's Word because Jesus believed in God's Word. And it's unequivocally clear that God is pro-life. He loves life from conception to the end. God is a God of people who are created in his image. Yeah, and that's life. But that's your opinion. Yeah, that's so, what the debate's kind of got. It is, on. Like, it uh, is. Okay, great. You have your opinion. I have my opinion. Yeah. So how do we back that well, up? Well, we don't know. I mean, for other people, we have to say, well, you have to answer for to God, and you don't even believe in God. So I guess you're the determiner of your own truth, right? That's So how do you debate mm. these people who think that truth is determined by them? But yeah. we have absolute truth. It's verifiable. It's clear. And uh, his name is Jesus. And all things have been revealed in and through him to reveal that the truth of scripture is our basis of objective truth. I'm getting into a little philosophy here. But no, we, but that's good. Yeah, because the bait's just gone down to opinion. And so, okay, you can have your opinion, but my opinion's based on objective truth. It's not based on my feelings or what I think. It's based on the word of God. Jesus, and I'm saying this for you who are radical followers. I'm saying this to you who believe in the radical Christian life. You're a follower of Jesus. Jesus said, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. He said that to the Father. God's word is truth. So we have truth, and God's word is very clear where he stands on the pro-life issue. Yeah, and since he is very clear on it, I would love to read you some verses. So bear with me, stay with me for a second, because these come straight out of the word of God, because I don't think anything else says it as good as God's word does. So Psalm 139, 13 through 16, is a psalm written by David between he and his God, and he's speaking out to God in this. I love this. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Don't miss that. My mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Isn't that a great That's How clear is that? God formed us in our mother's womb. He knew us. He saw us while we were being made. And, and, And our days were written even before they happened. God knows the beginning and the end. And and he cares for us. He, I love what Psalm uh, 119.73 says. Your hand has made me and fashioned me. 
Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. God created Ooh. us, not just created us and, and saw us and formed us. He created us for a purpose, that we would know him and walk in his ways. And, and that's what any father, what, I, I love my child, and, and I hope my child walks in my ways. Uh, that's what a good father would say, and that's what our Father in heaven says. And then Isaiah 44 takes it to the next level. Yeah, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. I love that. He made the heavens and he made you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So for people who try to, and we're not just talking about the abortion debate. That's part of the sanctity of life. We're talking about all life. And we're going to talk about some other stories with that. But when people try to think that God is pro-death, how how contradictory is that? Yeah. He came that we may have life. He yes. created life. He breathed into, you know, Adam. He breathed in Adam the breath of life. Mm. And man became a living soul. And that's Genesis 2, 7, right there at the beginning. So life is from God. And yeah. we are pro-life, sanctity of yes. life, unashamedly. Yes, absolutely. But but it's not just God's word. We also have some experience with this and in, in, in how we look at life. Yes, wanna, we do. You want to talk about yeah, this? Yeah, I do, actually, yeah. Um, a number of years ago, five years ago, almost right now, very close yeah. to the day, exactly. five years ago, there were twins that were born to our son and his wife, Josh and Allie. We've talked about this on previous podcasts, so I don't want to go too much into that. But they were born right between 24 and 25 weeks. Um, very hard and difficult situation, as you can imagine. Caleb Graham went forth to be with Jesus after a couple of days, which was very difficult for our family, as you can imagine. I take great um, hope in the fact that when his eyes are open for the very first time, he will see his Savior. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I love that. Um, and then Kyler went on to be a healthy, vibrant little boy. That wasn't expected of him. There was brain damage expected. There was all these things yeah, that were spoken over him. Yeah, that were death words. That And, and he has astounded everyone. Yeah. When I travel around the world, I always carry a little bag with me that has spiritual essentials, I call them, things mm. to remind me, uh, topics to preach on, and just things to help me with my own spiritual life. And one of the things I keep in this little bag is this little diaper. And when I pull it out, people think it's a little like doll diaper, a little, no, this was actually Kyler and Kalem's diaper. I don't know if you've ever seen those. This isn't like premium. a newborn diaper. There's, this is a diaper yeah, you can't yeah, buy yeah, somewhere. Yeah, a premium one. And, and, yeah. and it's so small and, and they were, they were so tiny. Yes. And yet they live. Really fitting a little bit larger than the palm of your hand. Yeah. And I remember like looking at them in the knee queue when we first saw them and even through the the whole time of uh, Kyler's stay in the hospital, which was over three months time, you know, it, it was amazing because we really watched this baby develop before our eyes. Yeah. When they were first born, their their eyes were fused shut. Mm -hmm. You know, there were all the things that, of course, they looked like a baby. They were teeny and their their skin was like tissue paper. Yeah. And we watched as the Lord grew them in an EQ. Now, we know that that's not God's 
initial desires, he wants them in the womb. But praise God, we have medical science. Exactly. And medical science has really helped the pro-life debate. People now who are pro-death are, are just so inconsistent. Their arguments fail. And that's why they're seeing it being reversed and a lot of the decisions being made uh, because science has actually supported the Christian uh, belief in pro-life. Because, yes. and we saw with Kyler, they're saying that this isn't, you know, it's just a blob, it's just a mass of tissue. No, that is a child. There's and a heartbeat. There's a heartbeat. And now they have these, what are they called, sonograms or, I mean, mm-hmm. these 3D images. They're actually mm. kind of scary when you look at them. Like, you know, our, our, our children would show us grand, pictures of our grandchildren. It's like, ooh, that's kinda, <laughs> They look exactly yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's but incredible. you can see it's a child. And then what science has also shown, and this is, if, if you ever get into discussion, don't fight. Don't fight about the pro-life. And a lot of people are, are and arguing. respond with grace. Yes. A lot of always people are arguing out of crisis pregnancies or things that have happened in their life. And so yeah. let's always show mercy. And God is things. a God of forgiveness. Yes. And so let's be people uh, who speak life into this situation. We, I love, I mean, it's kind of oxymoron. People are pro-life, but they speak pro-death words. And mm. I just hate that. You know, like, let's go and make people feel bad who are in a, one of the worst decisions they'll ever have to make in their life. Let's mm. try and speak life into them and help them yeah but yeah let's speak truth to them and when you hear this argument well it's my body it's my right right then you, they've lost the debate because science has clearly proven that that child has a separate dna than the mother it is its own person it is its own body and and so we've seen it at 24 weeks that mm. this child can live and it's a human being and so um don't ever, ever, if you're a believer and you want to live the radical Christian life, don't ever, ever, ever be ashamed of being pro-life. Yeah. Um, you know, we know it's a, a very inflammatory issue out there. And we're in politics. Sh- yes, in yeah. politics. And we should be supporting the pro-life movement, but we need to do it with grace and love and help minister to women who are in crisis pregnancies or in these difficult decisions and, and helping those. I mean, we know ministries one of the great ministries is for healing for women post-abortion yeah yeah yeah. uh, uh, we have that at our church and and i love that so yeah there's some great things out there one of the uh books that we've used at church one of the bible studies has been called surrendering the secret which is great for women who have actually walked through this to help them come to grips with that to um, leave the shame behind and move forward with jesus i love that because many of you listening have probably experienced that and you've walked through that. So if you ever need help in that area, reach out to us at info at servingbb.org, and we can get you resources in that because there's help in those situations. Yeah, I almost feel like uh, Christians, we're almost afraid to talk about these controversial issues anymore. We went from the moral majority, and we were going to bring in legislate righteousness and and, and that. And Mm -hmm. some of it was good, some of it was bad. I mean, we can always look back in history. What is it? What they say? History is always 2020. Hindsight's always 2020 Mm -hmm. and stuff. But it's almost like the new generation is they were so tired watching their parents fighting these issues that they don't want to talk about it anymore. But no, we do need to talk about it. And we we need to talk about it in, in, in the spirit of love and truth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and the but, second thing that we have the experience that we have is uh, Kyler and Kalem, but we also have the experience with Sage Grace, who many of you have been following our journey with her. It's our newest granddaughter who is a special needs little girl. She's a couple of weeks old now. And, you know, I was having this conversation with my daughter, Bethany. And we were talking through this and I said, you know, I just don't like using the word that she's not normal 
I don't like that word normal. Like it just, it just seems wrong to me. It seems disrespectful. And I don't know if I heard this somewhere. I think I, I think I may have read it or at least it stuck with me, but I love the word typical. I just love that because sage isn't typical, but we have a really strange idea of what normal is when we look at that outside of eternity. And so our experience in this of the sanctity of life is that sage will be a, a, we trust and believe and speak words over this, that her life will make a difference. Yes, exactly. And we need to, um, appreciate all life and so, yeah, just yes. because she's not typical doesn't mean that she's not just as precious in the sight of god Absolutely. that she is not you know she was not made and formed and knitted together in her mother's womb and so uh, god allows this in the fallen world uh, god allows things and that in their Actually, we're going to tell a story that, that it's probably going to blow everyone away because it blew me away the first time I heard it. Yeah. And it actually comes from my brother. Can, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Will you I, explain I'll, a little backstory on that? Because yeah. I think that's So I really have an important. older brother and uh, and his wife, they, David and Sue. So I want to give a shout out to David and Sue here, my brother, who um, kind of was a father figure for me with my dad left and um, so that's how much older he is than me. I just make make sure that's known publicly. <laughs> he's gonna he's not that much older. I can't believe you got it's that. Fun. In I there. know, cheap shot. Yes. Yeah. What's that? Words of life wow. video. I mean, podcast we did. Words of life. Sorry, David. He could have said older and yeah, wiser. Wiser. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but no. In all seriousness, he's one of my heroes because uh, they. So their firstborn child, Becky. When Becky was about three years old, she was three typical. To three to four. Mm-hmm. She just started having seizures. And the doctors could never find out. We kept expecting healing and that, and it didn't. And it got worse and worse where she became brain damaged, mm-hmm. I guess you would say. And mm-hmm. and now she's a special needs, and she's never really developed more mentally from that stage, but she's now 40 years old. And we've watched David and Sue walk through this. Mm-hmm. Now, I love when people come to me and say, you know, I'm, you know, young men, like, I want to be a pastor. I want to go into ministry. Like, I say, why? We have a, we actually have a podcast on why do you do what you do? Why do you want to do that? <laughs> and, and I get so frustrated when I hear him say basically this idea of a, they'll be closer to God or this will make, this will, this is something special. They'll be special in God's eyes. Do something special yeah, for God. Yeah. That's yeah, a lot of yeah, it. Like I want to do something big for God. I was like, well, let me tell you about my brother. Who's the, who's the, who's the more spiritual one, right? I mean, I've got the accolades because I'm a pastor and a theologian and that. And, you know, we can always compare. And he, he became an accountant. Okay. But my brother has always worked and his wife, Sue, they've always worked and served and helped with Becky and, and working in the ministries of their church for disabled uh, children. And in fact, the other day we were talking and he was volunteering for a VBS for disabled uh, children at a church. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, here he is with his own disabled child and he's serving and helping others. I'm thinking, I have a podcast. People know my name. Does anybody know his name? But you know, in, in the kingdom of God, who's going to be no more? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the hit ones who serve hidden. So David, I want to give you a shout out. And Sue, I want to give you a shout out. Mm-hmm. Thanks for serving well in difficulty. Yeah. The least of these. Yeah. Serving the it's, least of these. And and I love well, I love we get into the theology of this. And we we were talking the other day about uh, God's sovereignty. And if you've listened to 
the radical Christian life with Doug and Paula, you know we believe strongly in the sovereignty of God. Yes. Psalm 115, our God is in the heavens. He does what he pleases. And and it's one thing to hear it from me, but to hear my brother say, you know, Becky wasn't just a random thing that happened. There's a purpose and there's a plan in it from God. And it just blows me away. He goes, because how despairing would I be to think, well, I just got bad luck and Doug must have got good luck to have four children who didn't have special needs. And I got this, you know, it's just some random thing that happened to me. How despairing would that be? Mm. But to think, no, God and his plan gave Becky to us for some purpose and divine purpose. And he goes, I'm not even sure I've seen the whole reason. Maybe it hasn't even played out yet. Maybe it'll be through one of the siblings or maybe through one of the grandchildren or something that they'll see something that God will use Becky's life in an amazing way for his glory. And I just, I just, I get almost emotional and choked up on just thinking about that. What a great testimony. Yes. When so many people always, it's a tragedy, it's horrible. And, and to be able to keep your faith like that. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, and the testimony to others that our faith is when they walk through these things. Yeah. I love that verse in 2 Corinthians where it says that we go through things so that we in turn can encourage others that go through them. Yeah, exactly. So, I want to um, tell a story. Actually, David told me this story. He listened to one of our podcasts and, about Sage and he goes, this, I heard this story about uh, Donald Gray Barnhouse, this famous preacher back in the 30s and 40s. So I went and searched it on Google, and uh, I can't find the firsthand account of where Dr. Barnhouse actually spoke it, but this is the recordings from a couple different websites of, of how the story goes. So I actually want to read it because it's so powerful and so impactful. Yeah. It says, the late Donald Barnhouse told how he, once he was conducting a week of services in a large church. The pastor's wife of that church was about to have their first child, this was a source of great anxiety for the pastor. On the last night, when he went to the podium, Dr. Barnhouse waited and waited for the pastor to introduce him, but the pastor didn't come. So smiling and in a knowing fashion, Dr. Barnhouse got up, introduced himself, and conducted the service. Toward the end of that service, Dr. Barnhouse noticed that the pastor had slipped in at the back of the sanctuary and was silently making his way to the podium. At the end of the service, Dr. Barnhouse asked the young pastor, Is everything all right? No one had noticed the pastor's expression. Could I see you in your study, sir? The pastor asked Dr. Barnhouse. Certainly. So they made their way to the pastor's study. Then the pastor blurted out, Dr. Barnhouse, our child has Down syndrome. I haven't told my wife and I don't know what I'm going to tell her. Let me have a commentary. This is back in the 1940s, 30s, so things are not done the way they are now. The wife didn't know at the time after the baby was born, they whisked them away and examined them. Then they come back and tell the wife. The story goes on. My friend, this is of the Lord, Dr. Barnhouse said, and he turned to this passage in the Old Testament at an often overlooked verse, and he read Exodus 4.11. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I? the Lord. Let me see that, the pastor said, and he studied it quietly. As he studied it, Dr. Barnhouse said, my friend, you know in the promise in Romans 8 that all things, including this Down syndrome child, work together for good to those who love the Lord. The pastor closed the Bible. He left to study and went straight to a telephone to call the hospital room of his wife. As he talked to her, 
She said, Cap, I want to see my baby. I've asked and they won't let me see him. Is there anything wrong with my baby? He said to her, Exodus 4.11, Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? My precious darling, the pastor said, the Lord has blessed us with a Down syndrome child. The young wife and mother cried long and hard. Then she said, where did you get that verse? From God's own word. Would you read it to me again? So he read it to her again. Meanwhile, on the switchboard, there was an operator, not unlike so many operators in little towns that hated to convert to the dial system because they could listen in. Now, that hospital operator could barely believe what she heard, but when, but when she absorbed it, it made the rounds of the entire hospital. She started to tell everyone. The following Sunday, the pastor was back in the pulpit. In the congregation, unknown to him, was the telephone operator and many nurses from that hospital. At the conclusion of the service, as he always did, the pastor stood down front and said, if you've never met Jesus Christ, I want to extend to you the invitation to come down to the altar and receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. Do you know that 30 nurses from the hospital came to the altar that day? Can you imagine one Down syndrome child being patently used of the Lord for bringing eternal life to 30 nurses? That's a story. We just want to leave you with that story. And to remember, you are precious in God's eyes. He formed and knit you in your mother's womb. All the children you see, typical and atypical, they're all created by God. They're all precious in his sight. God loves the little children, and so should we. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to The Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paula. I think it's at this time we're supposed to do some pitch like hit the subscribe button or donate But we just want to say, do what you want. We trust way more in the sovereignty of God than in the Christian industrial marketing complex. You just keep living radical for Jesus, and so will we. And let's watch how he blesses us all. We'll see you next time.